You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. So this morning we got a lot to share and I'm going to start with a word that the Lord gave me that has to do with financial. And I shared it on Friday night at the um, prophetic night. If you haven't been to our prophetic night, come. We had 43 people there and everyone gets a prophetic word and uh, God just does amazing things. And then people, you know, afterwards come up and confirm, you know, what God has given us. I got, I got a couple of texts uh, where people said, that word was so good. It was exactly what, you know, God has been talking to me about. It's confirming that next step or whatever it is. So uh, God has a lot to talk about. I always say he's very verbose. He will, he talks and talks and talks, and he's just looking for anyone who wants to listen to what he has to say, because he is constantly talking. But um, I shared Friday night uh, that the Lord had given me a word about finances. And in this season of um, economic shifting, we know that there is economic shifting right now. In this season of economic shifting, uh, the Lord gave me a word that as kingdom people, we will have finances even when there's an economic deficit. And the word he gave me was out of Mark 8, where Jesus fed the 4,000. And there were a couple principles out of that. And I'm just going to mention that real quick, and then we'll go on to the message. But um, there were a couple principles out of it. First of all, Jesus used what they had. He used what they had. He used what, what they had in their hand, the fish and the loaves. He used it. He blessed it, and he gave thanks for it. And then he began to tear it apart and as he tore it, it multiplied. And when he got finished, there was abundance left over. And the word the Lord's been, and I actually had a dream about it too. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm getting it. But the word the Lord's been speaking to me is he's going to multiply what we have. He's calling us to steward well, the finances, the provision he's given us. And in where we are right now is we need to begin to ask the Lord, this is what we have, Lord. How do you want me to steward it so that you can use it in multiplying what I need in order to have plenty in a season of lack? And that could be as in ways of, you know, working toward paying off your debt or squirreling away a little money that you would normally spend at Target. You know, my son always says, Target tells us what to buy. When we go there, it says, buy me, buy me. And before you know, you've spent more than what you plan to go for. You know, so maybe it's being a little bit more diligent in those. But I feel like we're in a season as believers, as kingdom people, that we need to steward well what we have. So it carries that anointing of multiplication plus leftovers, plenty of leftovers 
to uh, keep us going, right? So I just released that word over us. We're, we're good stewards of the word of God. Um, read through Mark 8 and just declare that we're grateful, we're thankful for the possessions that we have. We are blessing them and we will multiply what we have in order to provide what we need. Amen? Okay, so this morning we're going to talk about the secret plans of God. God always has a plan. And we know it's secret sometimes because we don't know what it is. But he always has a plan. He has a plan for every situation that is before us, whether it's personally, whether it's regionally, whether it's per state, whether it's for our nation, whether it's for the world. He has a plan for us. And we're going to start out in Second Chronicles. I started reading Second Chronicles 20 and read all the way through 36 and, you know, just looking at the good kings and bad kings. And there was a cycle of good and a cycle of evil. And uh, as I was reading it, the Lord started, you know, kind of highlighting some things that we need to understand. And one of the main things was he has a plan. That there is a plan that has been developed to overcome whatever evil or demonic is coming against us. And he will reveal that plan in the timing that we need to know. And our call is to intercede for the revelation of what the plan is and our role in it. Like, like Chuck announced earlier, we have intercession at 6.30, Monday through Friday, every single morning, where we are interceding for the things that God is putting on our heart that will help facilitate and bring down what God has planned for the season that we're in. And it takes intercession. It takes prayer. It takes listening and spending time with God in order to receive what he has for us. Somebody agree with me? Amen. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to start. I want to I start. We're going to read just a couple of scriptures. Second Chronicles 20. And we're going to start in verse 32. And this is the story of Jehoshaphat. And we know that Jehoshaphat, uh, I've preached on it several times. Uh, Jehoshaphat was being attacked and he called a fast and he says, Lord, show us what to do. And the Lord says, praise. Worship. And the Lord went out and defeated the enemy. The enemy actually ended up attacking each other. And when Jehoshaphat and the army went out, <clears throat> there were just dead bodies laying everywhere because God went out before them to defeat. And when I was talking about the different kings, you know, there were good kings that were completely sold out to God. There were kings that were almost sold out to God. And that's who Jehoshaphat was. He was sold out to God. But it says in the word in Second Chronicles 20, uh, verse uh, 32, it says that um, he walked in the way of his father Asa and did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord but here was his downfall. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not directed their hearts to the God of their fathers. So Jehoshaphat did amazing things, but he didn't take it all the way. 
You know, he just stopped short of taking down the high altars, taking down the high places that were worshiping other gods. And we've got to be the people that take it all the way. We've got to be the ones that'll say, you know, God, I will follow you everywhere. I will follow your plans and I will cut down the altars that have been set up that lead people to worship someone other than you, something other than you, false gods, false idols. We've got to be the people that say, I'm going to go all the way. I want to be the hundred percent, not the 90 percent, not where, where I look back and say, I did everything, but I want to be the one that says I did everything I could. And if there's something else I need to do, God, just tell me because I'll do it. I'll do it. And then Jehoshaphat is, uh, he dies, he uh, is buried with the rest of them, and his son, Jehoram, takes over. And he is not a good king. He is not a good king. In fact, he is a very bad king. And we're going to read a little bit about him, and I want to talk about this in context of us understanding that sometimes there's evil, a cycle of evil that's in charge but God has the secret plan. He's going to reveal us to dismantle that evil and remove that evil from being in charge. So there is a plan right now to dismantle the evil that's in charge. There is a plan. And even though we look and we might not see the plan, and I have been kind of hounding on this for the last month or two, the word releases the plan of God. When we declare the word, the word releases the plan of God. So we look at Jehoram, and we're going to start in verse 5, chapter 21 of 2 Chronicles. This is how bad he was. So Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem, and he walked in the way of the king of Israel, not his father, but the kings of Israel, his father was a king of Judah, just as the house of Ahab had done. So he followed the ways of Ahab and Jezebel. That's what he modeled his kingdom after. He didn't model it after his father, Jehoshaphat, but after Ahab and Jezebel because he married their daughter. And their daughter had such influence over him that she helped steer him. You know, we know that no one can make us do what we don't want to do. And we know that if his heart was set toward following his father's footsteps, the bad influence would not be able to sway him. But because there was evil in his heart, when he married evil, then it was a power pack, right? So, so he follows the way of Ahab and Jezebel because he's married to his daughter. And he is, um, we'll just go ahead and read the word. He reigned eight years in Jerusalem and he walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of Ahab had done. For he had the daughter of Ahab as, as wife and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David. And since he had promised to give his lamp to him 
and to his sons forever. Now, that's the verse I want to spend just a minute on. So we have an evil leader that has moved into Judah. But the Lord could not destroy the kingdom that was there because he had made a promise to David that there would always be one from his line that would rule over Judah. So when we're praying for uh, areas, when we're praying for regions, when we're praying, I was even thinking about Afghanistan. I've been praying about this for about a week or so. When we pray, we need to pray the covenant of God over that region. What God has promised, what God, what, what God has written in his word, what God said he was going to do so that we are not, uh, our prayers are not battling against the promise of God. Many times we just want everything just wiped out and removed. It's so much easier, right? It is so much easier. But what we need to understand is there's an alignment with what God has spoken to Abraham, what God has spoken uh, to, through the different covenants, there is an alignment, the, uh, what he spoke to David, that we have to get into alignment with what he has spoken, regardless of what we think the best idea is. And we have some ideas for God. And he'll let us know if it's not the right alignment. But as I was praying for Afghanistan, I was asking the Lord and looking through scripture, God, what is your word over that nation? Because that's what I want to pray. That's what I want to declare. We, we want the evil removed from Afghanistan. And we want your promise over that nation, your call for that nation resurrected and given to life and have breath into it so that they can rise up as a kingdom nation called to what you have for them. Right? So we want to make sure that as we pray for the different evil of cycles of evil that are surrounding us, we want to make sure that what we're praying aligns with the word of God over it. Amen. Yeah. yeah so, uh, Jehoram, he was, he was a bad guy. He was a bad guy. He definitely had some issues of wanting to destroy everything. And eventually he dies. Someone else, his son rules, and then he is removed from the kingdom. And so what happens is Jezebel's daughter becomes the leader of Judah. So evil, evil, evil becomes the leader of Judah. Uh, Athaliah becomes the leader of Judah. And she decides she is going to destroy every royal line that she can. Every heir that should take the throne, she was going to destroy. And she did, except for one. And that's where that secret plan of God was enacted. And no one knew but his mother, Joash. He was hidden as a baby. And while she is destroying all the royal heirs that are rightful to the throne, Joash, as this little infant, is hidden. And he's hidden until he's seven years old. 
and then he becomes king. <coughs> now, can you imagine at seven years old becoming king? But think about that time of her reign was filled with evil and with demonic and destruction and all of those different things. And the people are crying out, you know, God, help us. But they have to wait those seven years until he's old enough to become king. And you think those seven years of, you know, emptiness, that seven years of torment, those seven years of, of being without a, a godly person. And here comes this little boy who becomes a king and he becomes God's secret plan. God definitely has more confidence in us as his people than we would, <laughs> right? Yes. And uh, it says in 2 Chronicles 24 that he was seven years old when he became king and he reigned for 40 years in Jerusalem. And it goes on to say how Joash repairs the temple. Now, he wasn't a perfect king. He wasn't 100% king, but he started moving everybody back in the right direction, started moving everybody back to worship God. Seven years old, he becomes a king. We never know where that secret hidden place is that God's going to bring up before us that's going to bring the actual freedom or the breaking off of the demonic strongholds that it's got a hold of us. We never know how God's going to do it. But what we do know is he will. What we do know is that God is a God that is faithful to his people. And even when we are faithless, God still has a plan. And there is timing to his plan. And he will resurrect that remnant people that will stand up and say, I am going to walk in your plan. And we don't care what everybody else is doing. What you say, God, that's what I'll do. And that's what we really have to remember in the season that we're in. And I know we've talked about this quite a bit about, you know, we got some evil going on. We have got some evil going on. But God has got a secret plan to uproot, to destroy, to take apart, to remove the evil that is reigning. Amen. And he will do it through us, his people. Just as he did with a seven-year-old, he'll do it with the 20, 30, 40, 10-year-olds, whatever they are, God will do it. And the secret plan God has is us. Say, I'm his secret plan. <laughs> and I believe I'm his secret plan. <laughs> We're going to read John 16, 33, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because God has a secret plan for victory, and we have to realize that we are the secret plan. We are the secret plan. It says, and everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. So we can be in peace through this and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrow, but you must be courageous. 
for I have conquered the world. For I have conquered the world. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 2.9, and I want to talk about God's revelation of his secret plan to us. Have you experienced God being showing you things to pray about, things to intercede for, things to declare over what's going on? That's good. I mean, that's what he's using us. You know, we declare the word and it's established for us so that his light can shine, right? So 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm going to start in um, um, verse 10. It says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God for what man knows the things of man, except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God, except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. That ain't what I got. I don't have that. We have not received that, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us from God by God. So God, the spirit is searching the deep things of God and he is revealing it to us. So that's what we know. We know the deep things of God. These things we also speak not in words, which is man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive these things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We are not living as the natural man. We are living as spiritual people that receive the things from the Holy Spirit that the Lord has shown him. But he who spiritually judges all things, yet he himself be rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of Christ that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. God has shown us and will continue to show us what his plans are for our situation this afternoon, for our situation tomorrow morning, for our nation for COVID that we are fighting. In fact, we've been praying about that. You guys know that, that God has shown us that we just need to keep declaring the bloodline around our state. And I noticed, I looked up, I've been kind of keeping up with the stats. I have noticed that our state has plateaued. Amen. Amen. And now we're just declaring that bloodline will drive it down to zero. Uh, we are we are fighting a spiritual war here, and we are His holy, treasured people that is called to take a territory and retain that territory. And though evil gets in in cycles, the plan of God will be given to us so we can undo what the enemy has done against us. The evil will not win. Amen. That's right. The evil will not win. We will win. 
And when I was talking to the Lord about this, I was talking about these cycles of evil and I was talking to the Lord about this. And he said to me, find your peace in my word. Find your peace. Declare the word over your circumstance. It's in the secret place with God. The time we spend with God is where we get fed in order to hear what the plans of God are for this situation. It's that spending the time with him. It's that intimacy and friendship with him that gives us a whole different level of revelation for what is coming next and what our response is to what is coming next. Like that. It really is. If you barely know someone, they're probably not going to tell you the secrets of their heart. The more you know them, the more the intimacy comes, the more revelation comes, the more transparency comes. God is looking for people who want to know him. And out of him comes that inner peace that we have, even in the midst of chaos, because we're living from the inside out. So when the outside looks crazy, we tap in to who lives in us. When things are out of control, we dig in to who can bring them in control, who can give us the solution, who can help us with our family, who can help us with our businesses, our jobs, who can give us that breakthrough that we need in order to have victory over what the enemy has planned against us. There is an enemy assignment against us, and it shows up in all different ways. Sometimes if he can't get to you, He'll go after your family member. Or all of a sudden your boss is like treating you terrible and you're thinking, who is he? He's never treated me like this. But when you see patterns that are not normal, patterns that are outside of the way you live, the way you exist, that's when we ask the Lord, where's that pattern coming from? Is the enemy set something against me? in order to rattle me and distract me from the direction I'm going. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to get us going on all these rabbit trails so we forget the clear path that's before us. God has a path for us. He has a plan for us. And he has an assignment written over each one of us. And he is calling us to stir up that within us so that we're able to understand what's coming against us and what is the plan God has to defeat it. Sometimes we just need somebody else to pray. I need someone to intercede for me. Sometimes we just need to say, heck no, enemy, that is not going to work in the name of Jesus. Be gone. And sometimes it takes a battle to get us to the other side. But God has the plan. He will reveal the secret plan for what's coming against us in the timing that he has for us. Amen. Amen. It's true. 
I'm telling you guys, this is true. This is the word. Okay, I want to share this. Uh, did anybody see the word from Chuck Pierce and Dutch Sheets on Elijah List? It was a very good word, and it was... In fact, there's been three words lately that have come out about the giants and, uh, and how it's time that the giants are beginning to fall. But their words specifically, um, and I just want to share this with you, it says that uh, he, for, on August 25th, he said, the past Saturday night, I was led to speak on spiritual giants. Shortly into my message, a very strong and a very different presence of God came into the room. This was not a warm and intimate presence. It was a visit from the captain of the Lord of hosts. It was given, I was given the mental image of Christ staring intensely at the principality. Then I heard him say, I am now going to deal with this spirit. His countenance was fierce, and I experienced a great fear of the Lord. And he goes on to talk about, we the church are moving into a new era. We will soon experience our finest and most productive season of the harvesting souls. As I've stated before, I believe we will see at least a billion people saved in the next 10 to 20 years. Perhaps more uh, than have been saved in the previous 2000. Portions of the earth which have been ruled by evil spiritual giants since Abraham's fall will be liberated. Amen. Amen. So what we need to understand is it, it is dark outside, yeah. but Isaiah 60, you know, there's great darkness that covers the earth, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon us and we are the answer to this great darkness. God will use us along with his angelic, along with his supernatural, along with his whatever he wants to use. He will use us in our call, our assignment as the secret weapon, the secret plan against the enemy. He has given us the anointing for breakthrough. He has given us the ability to tear down every spiritual giant in the timing in which he has planned. And he will give us the strategy in order to do that. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? So it is a great season to be alive. It is a great season. Can you imagine over the next 10 to 20 years seeing a billion souls harvested? Can you imagine the level of uh, discipleship that is needed with a billion souls being harvested? Uh, Seriously, a lot. And can you imagine... When God taps on your shoulder one day and says, you know, there's about 25 people, 100 people, 50 people, 10 people that I want you to bring in and start discipling in your home. That I want you to raise up and teach. That I want you to equip and get them ready to equip others. And you're going to say, yes, Lord. 
What an incredible privilege. And you're going to think, oh, great, I'm going to get my Bible out and we're going to read the Bible. No, you're going to spend nights crying with them and praying with them. <laughs> you're going to spend days thinking, God, they need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough from them. Help me, Jesus. But you know what? That's part of being family. Is, is we, we work together. We work through it together. You know, families fight together. We, we, we get mad at each other sometimes. But the goodness of God helps us to work that through so that we can be stronger together because we persevered together. So think about where you are right now. Think about what God is stirring in your heart. What, what is he brewing up? What is he calling you to do right now? What are the prophetic words you've received? What, what is the word that's been speaking to you that's, that's just every time you read it, you cannot hardly stand it because you know is it is anointing that God is pouring in you for the future that God has for you. We have to go after what God has. Uh, the other day I was praying, I was just worshiping and God gave me a vision and, uh, you know, he talks to me in pictures because that's kind of how I learn. If I can see it, I can pretty much do anything. Uh, I don't have to read the instructions most of the time. <laughs> Eventually I let Chuck read them out loud to me, but, but really some people, you just see things. Some people, you can just look at it and fix it. Some people could read it and fix it, but I see. So I'm, I'm praying and I'm spending some time with the Lord and I, and all of a sudden I see this kind of this fire pit and I've seen it before and he's on the other side of the fire pit and he's showing me something and, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking at him trying to discern what he's showing me. And I just hear, do you love me? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I do. And he says, well, then obey me. I'm like, okay. And then I'm thinking, is there something I'm not obeying? You know, when God says something to you, you're like, check me, Lord. Is there something I'm doing? And then he says, do you love me? And I said, yes. And he said, follow me. And he said, do you love me? And I said, yes, Lord. And he says, see me. And uh, not that I understand all this, but... Um, I said, teach me how to see you clear, how to know how to obey, how to follow, how to have more than just, you know, uh, you clunking me over the head, but have such an innate sense of your Holy Spirit within me that when you breathe, I recognize it. When you nudge me a little bit, I just naturally lean in where I'm so sensitive to who you are because I know and I've spent that time with you that that when you move I'm like right on your coattail moving with you and that's what God wants he wants us to be so pliable and one with him his word says we are one with him in John 17 I and you you and me them and us, you know, we are all one. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are seated in heavenly places, hidden in Christ. I mean, there is oneness that we already have. And he is teaching us to live out of that oneness. So there's not so much break and questioning when he's calling us to move. There's just a natural flow of him and us moving us 
to what he has for us. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, let's stand and pray. I think that's all I have for right now. God is good. All the time. All the time. He really is. So I just want to pray over us that we will recognize uh, our call. Father, we just, we, we just declare now that we're yours, that we are yours. And whatever you have, that's what we want. And if there's any place in us that pushes back or uh, is obstinate or stubborn or disobedient, God, we're asking you to show us how to release, to be free from those things so we can be at one with you in a, in a, in a fluidness, in an in ability to move with you, God. That's what we want. And Lord, your word says that we are your treasured people, that we have been called, that we have an assignment, an anointing, that we have your spirit within us, and that in this cycle of evil, we are your secret plan against it. That as each of us rise up in where you're calling us, whatever you're calling us to do, as each of us rise up, God, we form this army against the enemy. And for each one of us, the army may look different. For some of us, we're frontline battlers. For some of us, we're intercessors. For some of us, we're government leaders. For some of us, uh, we're on the home front. God, for each of us, it might look different. But united, we can't be broken. So God, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word reminds us that the deep things are being shared with us. It reminds us that you are greater in us than anything that's out there. It reminds us that through our worship and praise, the enemy destroys itself. So God, just thank you that we may not fully comprehend your plans, but we're so glad that you have a plan. We're so glad that you release it in perfect timing. We're so glad that the enemy doesn't stand a chance against the unfailed uh, destruction of the beautiful Lord. So God, we just thank you for that. And we just bless and honor you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.